Coming up, I'll tell you why delusional people tend to be successful. And then a CEO is making big waves by saying we need unemployment to jump to 50%. We'll break it down next. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in other areas of your life because your work has a way of affecting everything else going on. And I want you to do work that you were created to do, do work that matters to you, do work that you love. All right, so let's talk about why delusional people can be quite successful. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been around? around? I can't talk today. Have you ever been around uh, someone that you would describe as an incessant optimist? That's a fancy word. Like, they are always positive it can feel as though you're hanging out with a cartoon character like you're not real like what are you spongebob are you dory from finding nemo you're lost all the time you can't remember anything and you're so freaking happy or olaf from frozen right you know what i'm talking about you think they're a character because it can't be real like you have to be delusional to be that optimistic you know that's what we're talking about with delusion here it's 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 like you're deliriously optimistic and you think to yourself they would never survive in the real world let alone be successful because they just they they got this little bubble around their head but according to research optimism and i'm not talking about just occasional optimism i'm talking about glass is always half full to overflowing every day pays a lot of dividends. Did you know that optimistic people boost their health, especially their heart health? It shows, studies show that it increases your longevity. It improves your mood, of course. We know that a fake smile fakes your brain out. Your brain thinks you're happy, even though you might not be happy, and begins to respond with the chemical release throughout your body. Imagine if you're actually optimistic and actually smiling through something because you found the positive in it. Gives you more confidence. We need confidence to move forward, to take those calculated risks that become breakthroughs in our life. Optimism makes you 40% more likely to get promoted when compared to your pessimistic peers. I mean, let's think about it. Who does the boss want to promote, Tigger or Eeyore? Optimists are six times more likely to be truly engaged in their work and five times less likely to burn out than pessimists. Now, this makes sense to all of you, I'm sure. But here's the problem. Life sucks sometimes. Life sucks during seasons. And it's hard to be optimistic when you're in a storm of suck. But it can be done. Another problem is a lot of us are naturally pessimistic. Based on our environment we grew up in, the experiences of our life has made us lean pessimistic. And we just don't believe that things can get better. Here's a phrase that I've learned recently in reading books about uh, this very topic and the psychology attached to it. People who don't think that things can get better have learned helplessness. 
It's actually a term used by social researchers to describe someone, maybe you, who is unable to work through a difficult situation. They've learned helplessness. Uh, the father of modern positive psychology is a guy by the name of Martin Seligman, and he discovered this learned helplessness by accident in 1967. Now, I want to warn those of you who are dog lovers, this is going to be uncomfortable, okay? So I'm telling you guys in the booth, I'm a dog lover. I love my golden doodle, Ellis. I love my dog, Ellis. And this is going to, it's a little painful, but you need to hang with it, okay? So Seligman uh, noticed that dogs who had experienced unavoidable pain without a way of escaping the pain, just gave up and stopped trying to avoid pain altogether. Now, let me pause there for a second. The The experiment was this. They would put dogs um, in a room, and they would put them on a surface that would send them a light shock. Calm down, everybody. It didn't hurt the doggies. It was a little bit of an uncomfortable shock on their paws, on their feet. But the hope was is that they were facing this little wall. Think of it about as a foot and a half tall wall that the dogs could easily jump over and get to some doggy treats. But when they put the dogs in there and they they gave them that gentle shock, their hope was that they would go, I want to remove myself from the shock, so I'm going to jump over here where it looks like it might be better. And here's what they found by accident. What they didn't do was they didn't make a clear distinction for the dogs that it, it wasn't a random shock. It was an intentional shock. So they tested the dogs in a similar painful situation where a means of escape was provided, and, and that's where they could jump over the wall to the treat, and they didn't even try to find the treat. They didn't take it. The dogs assumed it would be impossible to, to escape it, so they just shook and kind of cowered when the shock hit them. And we do this as humans some moment in our lives we learned through a pattern of belief that we didn't have control over our suffering and so instead of looking for a way to overcome the suffering looking for ways to break through the suffering we just accepted it and we became pessimists and those poor little pups just accepted the fact that they had no control over the shock. Suffering doesn't actually cause the hopelessness because we all endure suffering. It's the perception in our heads that we have no control over the suffering. If when life throws something at you and you are in a moment of suffering or in a season of suffering, you realize this is not something I have to endure forever. This is something that I can move through. Then your mind goes from hopelessness, which is this is just my life. It sucks. It goes from hopelessness to helping yourself. I mean, think about prison for a second. That's what the real punishment of prison is no hope that you'll ever get out. No hope that you can improve your life. That's the real prison. It's in the mind. So if we can learn helplessness, guess what we can do? We can learn optimism. A few of the pups realize, wait a second, um, that shock's not happening to me the whole time. I don't think I want to do that. What's on the other side over there? 
I think it's worth trying to jump over that wall and see if the shock happens there. They had a different perspective. There is another option. Optimism comes when we realize we have options. So as you're pursuing meaningful work, pursuing purpose in your life, pursuing getting debt-free, pursuing losing weight, pursuing improving your marriage, pursuing being a better parent, whatever that meaningful result is that you are aiming for, when you realize when things aren't going great that there are options for you to move out of this negative moment, this negative season, then you realize what optimism really is. I have hope. There are options. I can get out of debt. I can improve my marriage. I can eat better. I can exercise. I can lose weight. Whatever it is. The only difference between an optimist and a pessimist is how we interpret the suffering we're facing. An optimist is going to go, well, this sucks, but this is situational, and because it's a situation, I got options to change my situation. A pessimist goes, this sucks. Oh, man. And they sit. There's two types of acceptance. When something negative happens, a pessimist goes, man, this happened to me. An optimist says, this happened for me. I'm going to get through it. It sucks. But I'm going to get through it. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to move on. So let's just take this into the world of work, when one of the most negative things that can happen to us, okay, besides losing a job. So we're already in a negative place because we've lost the job, all right? Now we get into a place where we're looking to replace the job, and you interviewed for the job, and you didn't get it. Now, an optimist would look at that and go, you know what? That no is a not here, not now wasn't the right place for me. I'm going to find the right place for me. It's out there. The pessimist takes that as a permanent rejection. That no means no one likes me. I'm never going to get hired. No's and nevers like to hang out together. And these pessimistic excuses give us an excuse, a logical reason for why we should be hopeless. And that is learned helplessness. So here's your challenge. Number one, be aware when you are accepting negative outcomes as final. Number two, use your imagination to rewrite those excuses into an optimistic option, one, two, three, four, five, and move forward. Now, why does this matter? The reason for this is none of us are going to avoid challenges, the storms of life, but we can upgrade the way we think in those moments. Don't be a 40% chance of rain person. Be the 60% chance of sunshine. That's how I look at my golf tee times. If I see some weather, I go, great. 60% chance it ain't going to rain. Give me my golf clubs, Frank. Let's go. Change your mindset. Change your life. I promise you, if you can begin to learn hopefulness as opposed to helplessness, your life will change forever. This is the Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, 
it will eventually leak out. And it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. All right, the snowflakes have united, and uh, they have a very interesting target this time that I think brought it on himself. Uh, but I think there's as interesting, you know, as interesting, you know, viral comments and outrage happens. It's rarely all the bad guy. So let's let's see what you think about this. If you haven't heard about this story, uh, there's a CEO uh, out of Australia, and he's a property developer. And uh, he's the head of Gurner Group. And this guy's name is Tim Gurner. And so he's being interviewed by the Australian Financial Review. And this is such a big deal, it's made waves here in America. And oh boy, are the snowflakes outraged. So let's look at this. Should they be outraged? Should they be offended? Or should they be provoked? There's your three doors today. By the way, as I share this story, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i tell you what I'm going to do for you folks today. I'm going to walk you through the way I process any news. And I think it might help you. All right? I think there's three responses. Door number one is I'm outraged. Door number two is I'm offended. There's a difference. And door number three is I'm provoked. Okay? Now, let me explain that last one. Okay? Outraged is outrage. You've lost your freaking mind. You go on social media and you hurl insults off your keyboard. Offended is, I don't like that. That's, you know, but you haven't lost your mind. You're still acting like an adult. The third option is provoked. It's, it's, it's stepping away from being offended. Don't even allow yourself to get offended. And this is the, this is how I approach this story. And most things, even a political statement or a position that I don't agree with, Instead of getting offended or outraged, my first posture is one of, I want to be provoked. And let me tell you what the true meaning of provoked is and how I'm using it here. We think of provoked as somebody coming up and just jabbing you on the shoulder, you know, or, you know, messing with you. No, 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 no. Provoked means I'm being nudged, poked to actually engage. I want to provoke action. I want to provoke thought. So I'm a parent of teenagers. If I want to get my kids and their teenagers to open up to me, I need to provoke thought. And I provoke by using a question. Okay? So I'm provoked at this. I want some of you just to try to be provoked to think. All right, here's the statement the guy made. Gone bananas. Um, he said, quote, we need to see pain in the economy. Now, he's talking about the Australian economy, but again, a lot of similarities, even though that country is is 
God bless them. They are some fearful people. Uh, what they did during COVID to their population is, is extraordinary to me. Um, but this is what he says. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people they work for the employer, not the other way around. Now, I'm sure that got the snowflakes all outraged. But I'll remind you snowflakes who are offended by that statement that you do work for them. They pay you. Okay, I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you are going, why do you feel you have to say it that way? Because there will be people who will see this clip who will not understand what I just said. They think they have the right to a paycheck. You do not. Thomas Jefferson said it better than I can, so let's go back. Because most people, I saw yesterday, boy, I'm on a rant right now. I'm all over the place. Stay with me. I saw yesterday that one in three Americans cannot even name all three branches of our government. And we wonder why. We wonder why we have so much ignorant activities and actions in our workforce. They can't even tell you the three branches of government. So a lot of people think they have the right to a job. You do not. Thomas Jefferson said, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In the pursuit of happiness bucket is the potential to earn a living. But you must work, dear Snowflake, and you must do a good job or you will not get paid any longer. Golly, I can't believe I have to say this stuff, but I do. All right. So he goes on to say, Okay. Um, there has been a systematic change where employers feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them as opposed to the other way around. Now, that's where he gets a little off because now that's a little bit, you know what I mean? Come on, man. Like, you should, as a leader, feel very blessed and fortunate to have good people working for you. So he's, he's getting a little, a little crass right here. But here's what he thinks. I'll summarize his whole take. Because uh, I don't want to get into the weeds of everything he said. Basically, he'd like to see unemployment go sky high. And he, the guy's mad. The guy's mad. He's had it up to here uh, with entitlement. That's just telling you. Whether he's right or wrong, the guy's had it up to here. Because you don't say things like unemployment should go to 50% just so people begin to appreciate their jobs again. Like, that's, you know what I mean? That's a little much. Um, it's like me taking my my kids' phones away for a year over, you know, something I should take it away for two weeks. It's like, okay, all right. We're going to try to kill the fly with a 50 cal rifle. It's a little much. Uh, well, it has gone bananas, and people like uh, uh, classic woke liberal Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who, God bless her, probably very book smart, has no common sense. I mean... Zero. Um, she said, uh, this character personifies everything that is wrong with unfettered. I'm sorry, that is not attributed to her. Whoops. I'll get to that in a second. She said, this is a reminder that major CEOs have skyrocketed their own pay so much that the ratio of CEO to worker pay is now at some of the highest levels ever. Now, I took a shot at, uh, at, 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 at AOC is what her name is. But she's factually correct on the disparity between CEO pay and I'm going to point something out here. I rarely, if ever, would agree with her. But 
she puts her finger on something that is causing tremendous amount of tension in the American workforce. And that is CEOs, you gotta be, you gotta be aware. You can't be so freaking tone deaf. If people are struggling financially in your organization, maybe you shouldn't take the giant million, 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 million plus bonus. Maybe you should should show some empathy and understanding. Everybody expects you to make more, but maybe when people are struggling, you aren't taking a massive bonus. You defer it. Have some sense, executives. That's part of the problem. Because nobody cares what you say until they know how much you care about them. And you don't come across like you care about them when you do stuff like that and say boneheaded things like this guy said. Now, what he is getting at is, I'm providing you a paycheck. You can't make all these demands of me all the time. You can't be entitled for a raise every time inflation goes up because that's not how you run a capitalistic business model. And he's right. He's not right to say that it should be 50% unemployment. That's, that's absurd. So when you see these things, be provoked. And he is getting at some tension from the executive side of things. That still has some truth to it. So uh, I'm not offended by the guy. I'm not outraged. Uh, I am provoked, and he needs to be provoked to think about his comments and how he can make the same point without coming across like a guy who's in the ivory tower, who has no idea what everybody else thinks and feels, who makes way less than him and even work for him. This is The Ken Coleman Show. All right, folks, I'm here to help you get unstuck and get you moving forward on purpose. This is the Ken Coleman Show. If you're enjoying the show, would you help us grow uh, on YouTube? You can do that by liking the videos you're watching. Just that little thumbs up, one click while you're there. Subscribe to the channel and share maybe the video with somebody uh, that you think it will encourage, equip, or even entertain. Same thing on the podcast app that you are listening to us on. Uh, you can... Uh, follow us, and we'd love a five-star review and share as well. Uh, also, if you are new to the program and you're looking for a resource that will allow you to become more self-aware than you ever have been in your life so that you can move forward with clarity and confidence, you need to check out the Get Clear Career Assessment. It's about a 15-minute assessment. It gives you unbelievable awareness and a detailed report on what you do best the work you love, and the results that motivate you. All of that information together is wildly important for your future. Go check it out, kencoleman.com slash assessment, kencoleman.com slash assessment. All right, let's go to the phones. Bonnie is on the line in Boise. Bonnie from Boise. You're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to talk to you. I am excited to talk to you. What's up? Hey, um, I'm calling you because I've been working at the job that I'm at for almost five years, and I've struggled with the same issues for quite a long time, you know, probably the last year or so. Um, and it comes down to the fact that I, I really love my job, but I also, there's things about it that I really hate. Um, and the things I love is that I, I love the doctor that I work with. He's great with his patients. He's very smart. He's a specialist, so he has that extra four years 
of education that just makes him really, really capable. Um, he gives me extra opportunities to to learn other parts of dentistry. So I'm not just an assistant, but I've also been learning dental lab tech, um, which has been awesome, so much fun. Um, and then it's very fulfilling. I love my patients. I love we get a lot of more complex cases because he's a specialist, and I love that. It's very fulfilling. So what do you hate? Um, I, well, I don't like the way that he runs the business. He's a great dentist, but he's not a good businessman. Yeah, that's very not, normal. Very normal. Yeah, and he <laughs> he runs the business with his wife. The HR is terrible. The feedback loop is is awful. I mean, most of the time you learn about what you're doing wrong through the grapevine. Um, and just there's not a lot of benefits. There's favoritism. There's nepotism. There's a lot of things going on that just really don't, they're just not a lot of fun to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, so that, by the way, right that that right there, you won't be able to keep doing that much longer. I think you're probably at the end of your rope now. I've had I've had some very serious mental health issues this last year. Have you ever of brought it. all of this up? I'm guessing the answer is yes. Well, I to his face, I have not because I don't feel comfortable doing so. Why? Getting serious with him is very difficult. Why? Um, if you sit down to have a serious conversation, it's very uncomfortable. He makes it, it's hard to talk seriously with him because it's just always we're always just going to be lighthearted. We're going to joke. We're going to have fun. So coming to him with serious, serious stuff sometimes is, is intimidating. Um, and sometimes he's but maybe he's a defensive not. and angry. Oh, he so. does get defensive and angry. I thought he was lighthearted and fun. I think that's just a way to keep you from going there. Uh, so when a, you've had serious conversations, he goes from lighthearted to defensive and angry. Yeah. So you've had enough serious conversations to know what it's going to feel like and nothing happens as a result of it. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Yeah. Very well, seldom does our things follow through on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's time to move on. I don't know what your question was, but I'm jumping ahead to my answer. <laughs> because here's why. That was my question. <laughs> well, we've got a track record. Yeah. We have a track record we cannot ignore. You've brought stuff yeah. up before. This guy's passive aggressive. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to run the business. And he doesn't want to make the moves necessary to run the business well. Mm-hmm. He's okay with it as is. Yeah. And, um, and he knows that. He may not say it. He may not think it that way. But... He doesn't like either his wife's running it or the family. The nepotism is a thing where that's just he's choosing that over efficiency and excellence. Yeah. Um, and he knows that there'll be people that'll do the work for him. At least he's gotten away with it at this point. He's not he's not interested in actually getting feedback and then using the feedback to improve. He's fine with the way things are. Mm-hmm. So you aren't. So you've exactly. got a lot of good experience, and you're very qualified. And here's the great news. The, the only things you love about the job are the fact that he's an effective dentist, and so when you're working with him in that role, he's effective, and you appreciate how effective he is. You see him giving good help for people, and you get to be a part of that. Those were the I'm taking your two things and putting them together. And you are a person who's driven for service. You love serving others and seeing them see seeing them receive good service is why you like the guy. Absolutely. But other than that, you'd fire him if you had the chance. <laughs> yeah. If you could replace him with a great dentist, just like he is, but somebody who cares about the business 
and it runs really smoothly and you got all the other things, you'd replace him in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Then. So we go start looking for that. And my guess is, is you're going to be very highly sought after and a very attractive candidate. True? False? Uh, true. Absolutely. All right, then. So you were already thinking this when you called me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been thinking it for the last year, but I feel guilty ah. because all this experience I, I gained through him and the way he kept giving me opportunity after opportunity. That's what I was wondering. Myself. So a person who feels guilty is a really good person. Bad people don't feel guilty. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Bad people embrace being jerks. Uh, good people are the ones that feel guilty over things they shouldn't feel guilty about. So what are you thinking would be bad if you left him. In other words, if you feel guilty about leaving, it's because you think you're doing something bad when you leave. So what do you think that you're doing bad when you leave? Well, I guess I feel I owe him for giving me the opportunity to. You don't, you don't owe him. You don't, you don't owe him anything other than doing good work. True or false? True. Are you an indentured servant? Do you even know what that means? <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, no. You're not an indentured servant. An indentured servant had to work for X amount of years to pay the debt off. Mm-hmm. You don't owe him any debt. You have no debt with him. Mm-hmm. Have you done a good job for him? Every day mm-hmm. that you've had a chance to work for him, have you done a good job? Above and beyond, mm-hmm. yes. Have you been loyal? Yes. Absolutely leave he'll be fine i got news for you and i don't think you have a messianic complex here but one of the reasons i think you feel guilty is because you think you're going to leave him in a bad spot if you leave true yeah yeah uh, yeah definitely guess what they'll survive without you you ever missed any sick time or vacation time yeah did the business fold while you were gone no they're going to be fine without you and the best part of this is not about them being fine without you, but you thriving without them. It's time for you to move on. Mm-hmm. Bonnie, you got one life. We care too much in this world about what people are going to think or say about us, and so we conform and we fit in. And you've been fitting in for years because you were worried about what they might say about you or think about you, and they don't get a vote. It's your life. And quite frankly, they'll move on from you pretty quickly. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sure. All right. So step one, start looking today. Step two, find something that, and you know what you're looking for. You know what kind of questions you're asking. Don't just get interviewed by a dentist. Try to talk to a couple people that work in the office and go, hey, how would you describe the culture here? Believe me, they'll tell you. If it's Mm -hmm. bad, they'll dump. If it's good, it'll be very obvious and they'll dump on you that way too. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what you're looking for. So you got this, Bonnie. Life is short. You got one shot around this orb. Make it count. I'm really proud of you. You got high character. And it's going to be obvious to other people. It's time for you to move on. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.